You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 132 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week we have such an exciting episode for so many reasons. This is a, uh, I don't, a friend of mine, I guess you could say. Um, a friend of mine is joining the podcast today. We did Oliver together at the Pittsburgh CLO many, 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 many moons ago. And uh, now we got him on the podcast. And you can currently see him as Hades in Hadestown, uh, where he absolutely kills that role. Um, no no pun intended, because he's like underground or anything like that. But he is absolutely incredible. He is a absolute legend. He just had a... Um, he had a full-on movie just come out, and uh, he's been doing a lot of TV and film stuff now, uh, where he was just in the movie, uh, the Christmas movie, at, for that matter, if you're in the holiday spirit here, um, Spirited. And it is just brilliant, and we get to talk about Town before he leaves on December 31st. Unfortunately, he that'll be his last his last day over in Hadestown, which is so depressing because I absolutely loved him in that role. I mean, he's come in and out of that show a million times, but it does seem like this is uh, th- that's usually for projects and stuff like that. And it seems like this is the this is the one. You know, it's getting real. This is the one where he leaves. You know, and we don't see him back unless uh, for for the unforeseeable future. I guess we should say, not wanting to rule anything out because you never know what happens in this business. It's wild, folks. And uh, you know, I'm very excited for this episode. Very excited to share it with you all. And he has had such an incredible journey that uh, we'll that we'll get into, and I don't want to touch too much on it um, until afterwards because he does such a brilliant. Uh, he describes it and takes us through it in such a brilliant way. So don't want to take anything away. Uh, it's definitely one that you want to hear and listen to. And uh, before we get over to that, though. I got to talk to you about some Broadway news because there's so much going on lately that uh, is so uh, there's so much to talk about. There's just so so much to talk about. And we'll start off here with the opening night of The Beautiful Noise. Happy opening to everyone involved in A Beautiful Noise. Very exciting stuff. This cast, I was able to see the opening night, um, by the way, and this cast is just ridiculous. I mean, Will Swenson, this is like, this is, I mean, I don't want to compare it to like Miles Frost's MJ, but like, I, I mean, I kind of just did, but it's just like, it, it's next level performing and uh he brilliantly becomes neil diamond it's wild um he his voice and it's just ridiculous and this is this isn't the first time i've seen uh will swenson on stage because i did see him in waitress um but you know he's he's brilliant and i've never seen will swenson do anything like this before and and sound anything like this. So uh, it it was pretty neat. It was pretty cool to see his range is ridiculous. Uh, The beautiful noise is awesome. I mean, if you're a fan of Neil Diamond, here's the thing. If you're a fan of Neil Diamond, you're going to love this show and you're going to love it like 
oh my god favorite broadway show type um if you're not like a neil diamond fan i don't know i'm curious to know how you'll react because you know i mean not that i'm a neil diamond fan but i'm a broadway fan i'm just a fan of performing and all that and and then of course i know some neil diamond songs I didn't realize how many Neil Diamond songs that I actually knew, though. Um, I thought I would only know, like, Sweet Caroline. But he's written so many more songs that I'm sure you know. Um, coming off the top of my head was We're Coming to America. Um, I was like, wait, he sings this song? I mean, I, I could probably be, like, showing how um, uncultured I am with my music artists um, and and the, and the songs that they produce and write. But uh he's also written you know for so many other people that uh you don't even realize that he wrote that song you know um he's got so many he's had such a wonderful career but you know it's it's one of those shows you know for us traditional broadway folks who it's another bio musical and it's another one of those you know pop artists who become super famous and they lose track of who they are and their family and all of that and they have these new burdens where they have to take care of everyone else that they've been employing and they just need to keep working for them and you know it's just it and then you lose your family and you lose sight of all of it and um then you it's like oh now who do i have and now he can't perform and he is uh parkinson so he cannot uh technically like go tour and all of that and he's like who am i now without that and it's just like it it's it's just uh it's wild and um it's just another one of those you know bio musicals that uh takes you through the life of of human being that uh is a pop artist so it's kind of it's really cool to see um it's a good really good show uh the after party was uh pretty fun too max von essen donna murphy lance roberts charlie alterman and, and i we had an absolute blast we were dancing together and and uh we ha- formed a little group and, and had our own little like party because you know there's like investors there's there's all kind of people there and then like we see the cast and we're able to to go up to them and see our friends who we've worked with and all of that. It was just a really, really fun, cool night uh, that uh, is definitely one for the book. So congratulations, everyone involved. And uh, we'll get some of those folks on here soon on, on the podcast for sure to talk all about it. Now, of course, it always seems this way. With one opening comes one closing. It was announced that it's just so unfortunate, actually, to see this, that uh, the the K-pop had to announce their final performance that's actually going to be taking place this Sunday. Yes, literally, when you listen to this, like three days, they are closing. And they announced closing a week before they actually close. Um, so it was quite an abrupt closing. They clearly were not selling um as as well as they had hoped and it was just becoming too much uh to to too expensive and you know all the things as you know the business side i feel like a lot of times we forget that this is a business um wasn't able to you know continue to to put on so unfortunately um K-pop will only have played 44 preview performances and 17 regular performances by the time it closes. Um, Just so unfortunate because I actually wanted to see this one. I thought this was going to be pretty cool. And I'm not even like a K-pop like super fan, you know, like I know there are some crazy super fans for K-pop, but uh, definitely wanted to see this one. And uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to uh, with the abrupt closing, but um, 
they will have a final performance that uh, will host a special AAPI community event and panel discussion to celebrate and reflect on AAPI representation here on Broadway and you know beyond in, in our industry. So um, that is one really cool thing that they'll be doing on December 11th. Um, everyone, you know, if, if you can go see this show, I know some pe- some people who listen don't live in, in New York, but if you're here in New York and, you, and you're, you're looking for something to do, go check this one out because it's going to be, uh, it's the, I guess, what is it? Like the nearest uh, closing show, I guess you could say. So yeah, so go check it out if you're interested. And uh, I, I, I don't know many people who see it. So I don't even know, like, I haven't even heard like much about it. Um, other than the the scandal that's going on with Jesse Green in the New York Times, I won't get into all of that. But uh, you know, it's 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 craziness what's what's going on in the slander that uh, has been taking place, and uh, there's absolutely no room in this industry for for any of that. So. Um, Unfortunately, that is going on, and that's something that they're dealing with. But uh, hopefully, you know, K-pop and what they're doing with this panel discussion, and and just to continue to raise more awareness for their community to be represented correctly and respectfully, and in in a, in a good way, in a light, it is so great. And I'm so thrilled to see that they're doing this, and even on with the with all of the craziness that's been surrounding this journey this past month here on Broadway. So. That being said, uh, congratulations to everyone involved in K-pop. Uh, I, I, it's been a whirlwind, I'm sure, and hopefully we can get someone on from the show to talk about it and, and talk about the representation. And, um, you know, it's it's heartbreaking to see that and to see that this show is closing. Uh, I, I can assume, you know, in affection and in relation to to the reviews and the and kind of like the slander that's been going on so um very unfortunate my heart goes out to all of you folks and and it, just another congratulations because i know the amount of work and um the amount of blood sweat tears the money the everything that it takes to to do this so um you all made something to be really proud of and especially with this panel uh, discussion and just continuing to raise awareness for that community is just absolutely brilliant so um Moving on here, the six queens took their final bows. Uh, the six original six queens, so like Andrea Macassette and Sam Pauly and Take a Bow family member Britt Mack and Mallory Madkey, and I'm forgetting two. The, it'll come to me. They played their final bows here on Broadway. Uh, they There seems to be like a whole clean out there at six, and now they have new six new queens. Uh, playing the role. Congratulations to all of them and congratulations to those who had a happy trails this past Sunday. Incredible um, run in the show. I mean, everyone is obsessed with six and they've certainly made a name for themselves here on Broadway and their final performance. I saw the videos. I didn't see the show, but the videos that are circulating like uh, social media and stuff like that are, it literally looked like an unbelievable like pop concert and like kind of like opening night was almost it, it literally looked like it had that same kind of essence to it and it was uh, it's really cool to see that and uh the six fans are no joke so i'm i'm excited i'm excited to see this new uh this new bunch over at six and uh congrats to to those folks who uh did it for so long and and kind of led the way over there at six it's just brilliant what they're doing and those performances are ridiculous so um i'm excited to see the new ones 
Uh, Into the Woods. Into the Woods is, uh, I, I mentioned, like, I would not be shocked if Into the Woods would get extended. And then, of course, you know, it was announced that they couldn't because there's a new show lined up to go into to the St. James Theater after it closed. Um, but now Into the Woods announced that it's going on tour. And it's going to be with the same cast. Um, it's it's a it's a tour, but it's a it's a limited tour. It's nothing like not uh, a two year tour that I could see it uh, happening, or I, I actually could see it happening, just not with this cast because they are bringing the Broadway cast on tour with them. But uh, Sebastian Arcellis will be leading the way as the Baker with his wife uh, Stephanie J. Block. And uh, the rest of the cast is pretty much the same. So congrats to all of them for continuing to have jobs and uh, going out on tour and just being such a success with this production. It's absolutely incredible. Montego Glover, all of that. Oh, and speaking of Into the Woods, actually, Patina Miller played her final role as the witch in Into the Woods. And now Montego Glover is over there taking the reins of the witch. So um, very exciting stuff for her. And uh, yeah, let's see what else we got. I know there's a lot to talk about. So I, I, I'm trying to like speed it up here because I talked a lot. Um, okay, Britney Spears. Britney Spears musical uh, Once Upon a One More Time is going to be coming to Broadway in the spring of 2023 with uh, previews beginning on May 13th. And the opening night is going to be June 22nd. Uh, very exciting. Hopefully, I, I had some friends that did it out of town. So hopefully I see them uh, back on Broadway, which would be absolutely a, a thrill for me as a friend and, um, you know, as an audience member, because it's so much more fun seeing shows when you know someone that's in the show. Um, and uh, you get to root for them, you know, you, you have like an attachment. Anyways, it's good stuff. So um Shout out to them. Shout out. I'm excited to see this one. I mean, again, another biopic, uh, biomusical, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. You know, there's so many of them, but I'm so thrilled that, uh, you know, it's something coming to Broadway and it's something that's employing a bunch of people and, um, you know, that it's always good to see. And I'm excited to see this one. And, you know, Britney Spears, I mean... She's got an iconic story, and I'm curious to see what they do with it. So um, I'm excited to see it for sure. So congrats to them. Hopefully we see a cast announcement here shortly. It would be hard for me to believe that they wouldn't keep the majority of of their cast from their out of town because it was really successful. Um, obviously, it got a Broadway transfer, which is amazing. So um, stay tuned on that. And uh, yeah, we'll see what else is happening. Oh, speaking of uh, casting news um, and cast announcements, the, the, I swear to God, you know, the big news always comes out on Thursdays. And that's when I release these episodes. So then I get to have to wait a whole week to talk to them, uh, to talk about it with you guys. It, it drives me crazy, but it's fine. I respect it and I respect uh, the big news and I'm so excited to talk to you about it now. Aaron Tveit is coming back to Moulin Rouge. I'm so excited for this. Aaron Tveit is absolutely incredible. And it's fun because it seems like Aaron and um, Derek, who's currently playing the role of Christian in Moulin Rouge, um, is is like doing like a back and forth kind of thing. It seems like both of them continue to, you know, be fortunate enough to get some opportunities. And, you know, they have to step away from the show for a little bit. And they, they they're doing a little tag team here. I love it because Aaron Tveit's coming in and then Derek Lana is coming back to the show. Um, exciting stuff. And they had some great casting announcements um, just this past Thursday. And speaking of big news on Thursday, um, 
probably one of the biggest news uh, that happened this entire week is that The Wiz is coming back to Broadway. I'm thrilled about this. I'm thrilled to see The Wiz is coming back to Broadway. Um, I did a little dream cast on my story. My, my sister actually kind of built it, um, or she, like, literally built it with this incredible cast ariana debose as dorothy miles frost as the scarecrow james Monroe eigelhart as the cowardly lion jared grimes as the tin man andre de shields as the wizard i mean that is dream casting if i've ever heard of it um that would be absolutely brilliant i'm saying this on here to uh, manifest this to anyone who's involved in the production of the Wiz revival here uh, that's going out on tour, actually, before it comes to Broadway in 2024. The tour begins in 2023, but Broadway, it looks like, is going to be on tw- in 2024. Um, so manifesting that Dreamcast, if uh, anyone... Uh, cares to listen i did post it on my story and it did get like jerry grimes liked it ariana debose reacted to it and all the things so it was it was good to see that you know it was good to see people were like actually excited about it and interested and uh, the whiz i mean it's it's awesome i'm excited that it's coming back to broadway this is a revival i can get down with for sure um anyways that's all I have for you folks this week. Uh, I know I've, I've ran a little long here in the intro. I apologize, but there's just been so much to talk about, and it's just been so fun. So um, thanks for listening to me ramble and uh, just talk. So without further ado, I think it's time for me to you know take a little bit of a backseat and ask some questions about our fabulous guest for you all to listen to and hear from. And this fabulous guest is Patrick Page, as mentioned earlier. So without further ado... Patrick Page, curtain up. Okay, I am pleased to welcome a Grammy Award winner and Tony nominee on the show this week. You've seen him in 14 Broadway shows, all of these in which he gave unforgettable performances and with his unique, incredible voice. And uh, now you can watch him from the comfort of your home on the Apple TV's Spirited. So everyone, welcome to Take a Bow. Patrick Page. Hi, Patrick. Hey, Eli. How are you? Oh, my God. I am thrilled now. My day is made. I'm so excited to be chatting with you and talking to you about your career and your unique journey through the industry. Thank you. Yes, of course. So usually like how I usually like to start my interviews and episodes and all the things is by asking uh, each performer, you know, how everything started what kind of inspired you to want to be an entertainer and want to tell stories and do this thing that we call acting well thank you um my dad uh, was involved in the theater he was an actor and a director and a makeup artist and a teacher Mm -hmm. and um he taught theater uh most of my life in a little town called monmouth oregon where i grew up and so I was always going to plays uh, at the college. And uh, when I was very young, he was an actor at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon. And I would see those actors up on the stage. It's a beautiful, still, uh, still there, beautiful outdoor space, Elizabethan-style theater. And um, as a little boy of two and three years old, I would see uh, those grown-ups up there on the stage 
in their wonderful, colorful costumes with music and dancing and laughter. And I wanted to be part of that. And oh. I wanted to be with my dad. And so that's how I became an actor, I think. So was it always like, did you realize that there was like uh, theater and movies and all the things? Or was it kind of just like you want to entertain and tell a story and be a character? I wanted to do plays. I wanted to yeah. do theater. I wanted I wanted a relationship with an audience. Um, I wanted uh, that experience. Uh, I, I liked the experience of going to rehearsal with my dad um, and the, the the trial and error process of rehearsal, working things through. Uh, and uh, then I loved it when the audiences came in. I would go to the shows every single night, um, watch them as kids do. You know, kids when they find something they like, you know, they they do it over and over and over and over again. So I could just watch a show as many times as they would do it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, that was it for me. I well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I have a very interesting story to share with you. Uh, My second ever show professionally that I did was actually Oliver at the Pittsburgh CLO with you playing Fagan. And I was one of the Fagan children. Or children. Wow. <laughs> yes, I actually, I have like a picture of us. I don't know. I have to see which, I have to see. Wait, I have to. Hold it up. Yeah. I want to see which one you are. I'm the one in the orange. I was the tiny one. This you guy right here. You little one. I was the youngest one. Yes, yes, I remember that. I oh, think I picked you up at some point. You did. You did. Yeah. And, and we you like we never had like actual names, but in the end of one of our scenes, like we would all like go off in one of the wings. I think it was like a stage left wing, and then you would call me because I was going off with them, and then I would come over to you and go off with you in the wings, and that's when you would pick me up. I remember oh. it vividly because it was like it was a new thing for me, the theater. And um, I loved it so much and I just wanted to keep doing it. So your story reminded me so much of, of me, you know. So That's I, so amazing because, yeah. you know, I mean, here I am and it feels like that happened yesterday and you were a little tiny <laughs> boy then and now you're grown up. <laughs> I, yeah, I, unfortunately, I did grow up, unfortunately. Yeah. But I do miss being like the little kid. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been such a journey ever since. And I'm so thrilled to have a full circle moment today with you um, and talking to you on this today about uh, theater and all the things. So th- I just wanted to share that with you. Oh, thank you. That that means a lot to me. Yeah. Oh my God. No, you mean a lot to me, and you're part of the reason why I uh, my love for theater grew as much as it did in such a short amount of time. So you know how yeah. old you were when that happened? I was, I believe, seven years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You were a little guy too. I was so were you, tiny. Were you small for your age? I was small for my age, and I actually played the first ever production that I did was Tiny Tim at PCL. Uh-huh. So yeah. I played that for three years at, at Pittsburgh CLO, and then I moved to New York and was doing shows on Broadway and touring and stuff like that. So, um, and you know, I, I've played Scrooge a couple of times at the CLO. I know. And the, the moment at the end of the show, you have to 
hoist Tiny Tim up uh, up onto your uh, virtually up onto your shoulder uh, for that final image with right. the song. And I, I always appreciated it when the Tiny Tims were actually tiny. <laughs> yeah, I got that a lot. My third year, he there were only certain shows that he would actually pick me up. Tom Atkins was my Scrooge for all three of my years. And he was yeah. like, you know, tonight I don't think I can pick you up. And I was like, I understand. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's so funny you say that. But yeah, I mean, speaking of like you playing Scrooge and everything, I mean, you just got done playing in, in a movie uh, where you played his friend, Jacob Marley, um, yeah. in Spirited. Uh, what was that like for you in, in doing like a movie musical um, while filming? Like you were doing a musical while filming a movie. So what was that experience like? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Oh, just amazing. You know, Christmas Carol just keeps coming back and back and back <laughs> in my life. And uh, the movie is, uh, I think I imagine it will come back every year. Hmm. So uh, I'm not quite sure when this podcast airs, but it, it is Spirited is streaming on Apple TV Plus through, I, I imagine, at least through the new year. So, sure. um, and it's just a delightful movie. It's a... Um, it's a musical comedy, like real comedy. Two of the best comedic actors in the world, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, mm -hmm. are the two leads. And I play Will's boss and friend, Jacob <laughs> Marley. Will plays the ghost of Christmas present. There are lots yeah. of surprises in the movie, so I can't give out away too much more than that. But the music is by Pasek and Paul, who wrote mm -hmm. uh, Dear Evan Hansen and, and La La Land and Greatest Showman. The, the tunes are incredible. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, just really one of the joys of my life, making that movie. We made, oh, I was with them uh, for uh, five months. Mm-hmm. We shot in Boston, and many of them started uh, several months earlier in dance camp and singing wow. camp and all of that. But they brought me in a little bit later. I didn't have to do that much dancing in the show. And, <laughs> and the little that I did, luckily, didn't make it on camera too much. <laughs> and, there was a reason uh, for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, oh, it was delightful. And to be able to play – I played Jacob Marley – years ago 20 or so years ago at madison square garden oh my uh, God. there used to be a yearly production of a musical christmas carol written uh by alan menken hmm. uh at madison square garden and i played jacob marley in that as well um and he has a wonderful song called link by link yes. and i loved doing that 
And so to 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 come to that role and then to be able to play Marley, you know, not just haunting Scrooge, but Marley through the whole movie when he you see Marley as a man, not just as a specter and a ghost. And so that was right. that was great fun. Oh, yeah. They they totally like um, expanded his story and his role in life and his relationship with Ebenezer as well. I thought it was brilliantly done. And you mentioned, you know, Spirited, it's a holiday movie, but I, I actually saw it. I was able to see it as I knew I was talking to you. And I think it's totally a movie that you could see year round. Like, sure, mm-hmm. it's centered around like Christmas and it's got the ghost of Christmas present and past and all the things. Uh, but it's really just about, you know, putting yourself before others. And I think that we are always needing a, a reminder of that, you know, just to be a better person and look out for your peers and your friends around you. And um, I don't think it's a holiday movie, but it definitely is more heartwarming around the holidays because it's based in the North Pole and has like Santa's workshop and all the things. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it's so brilliant. And you, your performance was just so, so great. And with you, Will and Ryan, it was just an absolute blast. Were you able, you know, you're the experienced musical guy. Were you able to give them like some tips? <laughs> oh, it's so funny, Eli, because they would, you know, Will would come and ask me things. <laughs> I think Ryan did too about, about musical theater. Oh uh, Will God. was really was really questioning me about it, and I and the fact of the matter is, I'm not an expert at all. I really just lucked <laughs> in musical theater. I never expected to do musicals, and wow. um, and I really just lucked into it. And 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 so, uh, I'm I'm not an expert uh, dancer or singer or any of that, but I I do have a lot of fun. Oh, it's amazing. You literally all of the musicals that you do are so much fun because your you, your voice is so unique. Um, especially your singing voice. It really gets down there. It's wild. Um, it's unforgettable tr- truly. Uh wh- when did that like when did you know that you had that voice, that real deep beautiful voice? Well, I knew that that's where my voice sat, but for many years when I started doing musicals, the first professional musical I ever did, uh, was Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I did the first national tour of Beauty and the Beast starting in 1995, which is where I met my wife, Paige Davis. Oh. And uh, I, 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 it was just a complete accident that I ended up in that show. And so I was learning on my feet, and I thought, I better try to learn how to sing. So I started taking <laughs> some singing lessons. And every singing teacher I ever had uh, seemed very concerned and troubled by um, the, uh, the the depth of my voice, by how low it was. And they would always oh. try to get me to go higher. And th- I felt quite inadequate, and I would keep trying to push and trying to get up into a higher register. And it wasn't until many, many years later when I just finally accepted it, and I finally found a teacher who was like, oh, you're a bass. Why are they trying to make you into you know, a, a baritone? You're a mm. bass. And I, I was like, oh, okay. And I started singing as a bass. And here's the amazing thing about how life works. As soon as I did that, as soon as I made that switch in my mind, um, roles started coming to me. And I remember uh, I, I got a call from uh, a cabaret club in New York called 54 Below, which is oh, a yeah. beautiful, beautiful club in New York City. And they asked me if I would come and do an evening of songs. Hmm. And because this um, 
myth had gone around that I could sing. And and so they asked me if I would do that. And I, I had just before that made a kind of New Year's resolution that I was going to say yes to things that frightened me. So I normally would have just said, no, I can't do that. I don't have anything. But I said yes, and I didn't have anything. So I put together a show. And they, the shows at 54, at that time at least, I don't know now, but uh, they ask you to do about 50 minutes. Right. So I put together about a 50, 50 minutes, 60 minute show. Um, and, uh, and I did it. And as soon as I said yes to that, I got a phone call from Disney Theatrical asking me to play Dom Claude Frollo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which was written as a bass role. And it was the first bass role I was ever offered. And then after that, I did Hunchback of Notre Dame. And shortly after that, uh, Town came along. That was a bass role. And since then, people have begun offering me things that are right for my voice. So um, I'm doing a role now on Big Mouth on Netflix that uses my bass notes. Uh, Spirited obviously used my bass notes. Uh, I just shot a series for Apple, the the new season of what, what last year was called Schmigadoon, but now is called Schmicago because it's going to be uh, in a different <laughs> imaginary village this year, uh, in which I sing in a bass key. So it was such a life lesson about like accepting what is unique and strange about oneself and the moment you do and sort of step into it then things begin arriving for you absolutely and you know what speaking of you know pushing the envelope and kind of accepting all these wonderful things you also recently through uh i guess your process and journey through hadestown learned that you were dealing with some hearing loss issues and i i just want to ask you like can you talk a little bit about that and and talk about what you were experiencing and now what you do to help uh, manage it and kind of overcome the obstacle that may have been presented to you? Sure. I um I started losing my hearing in my 30s. So I started losing my hearing when I was wow. quite young. And I was not like most people who lose their hearing or many people who lose their hearing, it's a gradual process and you don't notice at first. At first, you just think everybody's mumbling around you and you get irritated <laughs> with people. Um, and then you, uh, or at least I, begin to withdraw and not want to be in conversations, not want to be in group settings. All of those things happen. And it, it certainly um, uh, contributed to uh, depression and anxiety that I was experiencing. And uh, I also thought uh, that I was losing my voice because I couldn't wow. hear myself. And so because I couldn't hear myself, I would then try to push louder so I could reproduce the sound I used to hear from myself. And that didn't work. So it was a really, really hard struggle for many, many years until I finally, again, just accepted myself. So just like accepting I'm a bass, accepting that I'm hearing impaired. And once I did that, which happened around, I think, 2015. Mm-hmm. So that's a long journey. Um, right. I went to an audiologist uh, in New York City, wonderful audiologist named Teresa Deerline. 
And um, she prescribed the Widex Moment hearing aids for me. And um, it changed my life. Absolutely wow. changed my life. I didn't realize until I had the technology, till I had the hearing aids, um, how much I had lost. Really? Uh, and how much of life I was not getting anymore. And it's not just, it's, you think it's, you have to imagine just one whole part of your sensory apparatus is gone. Right. Um, if you were to imagine about where my, what I hear, if I didn't have my hearing aids in right now, I, I, I would not be able to hear you at all right now. Uh, and um, because obviously we're uh, we're using technology to hear each other through the computer on this podcast. If we were in the same room together, I would be able to hear that you're making sounds, but I would not be able to understand what you're saying. So for wow. years, I was reading lips, and I still I still read lips, but um, I wasn't so aware that I was doing it until the pandemic happened and then everybody had masks over their faces. And then once again, I couldn't understand what anybody was saying. And so, uh, yeah, if, if you want to imagine what my hearing is like, you would just put both your fingers in your ears as firmly as you could. And you would realize that some sounds would still penetrate, but that you would not be able to hear or follow things you certainly wouldn't be able to carry a tune or hear wow. the music and that's that's where my hearing is so with the widex moment hearing aids i'm able to I, i'm able to hear everything and they have a, a very these particular hearing aids that i i wear have a very natural lifelike sound to them um and it's it's extraordinarily helpful um, so I wear them, uh, basically always, um, I wear them on stage in Hades town and, uh, I wore them in spirited and, uh, they're, uh, you know, they're the technology nowadays is, is so amazing that, uh, you, you, you don't see them at all. I mean, you can watch that movie, you can see me in close up. And you do not see the hearing aids. Wow. Yeah, I, I know you certainly can't hear uh, see them in Hades Town either. I mean, it's a little further away than a, a close up in a movie for sure. But um, it's incredible that uh, you were able to, you know, kind of get what you needed in order to continue in this career path. Because I can't imagine how hard that must have been. Uh, yes, I, I certainly wouldn't be able to. Uh, uh, I certainly wouldn't be able to do my career. Uh, I wouldn't have any career at all if I didn't have this technology. Right. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I personally can't relate to having a hearing loss or anything. But my sister, who actually was also an Oliver with us, uh, her name is Tessie. Uh, shout out, Tessie. I know she's listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, she she's actually she lost her hearing as well um, and, and fully in one year. And uh, I mean, partially in the, in the other. But uh, she was one of those people people who who wanted to be a performer and noticed their hearing loss and couldn't understand and she just kind of like stopped altogether so like what kind of advice would you give to people who who are going through that and want to be performers and uh just trying to seek the proper help to help them continue to do what they love i actually speak now uh to a lot of hard of hearing and uh, deaf 
performers um, because of my own hearing loss, because people have been made aware of it. I've, I've tried to be um, public about it because uh, I want to try to destigmatize hearing aids. Um, when I was younger, you know, it was, it was something that I, I didn't do because I thought, oh, that's what old people will do. And, and I'm, I don't want to look like I am an old man, you know? Right. And, uh, and I, and I had worries about that. And so I, I would love it for it just to become completely destigmatized and for hearing aids to be no more remarkable than eyeglasses. Right. Yeah, for and sure. For the, and for the young people who are, who are dealing with it, I just, I just got an email today. I got two emails today, uh, from people who are hard of hearing and, and looking for some guidance and um, what I say is, first of all, communicate mm-hmm. your needs for, you know, have good technology. I, I very much recommend these hearing aids that I wear. Um, the sound is great. It's lifelike. I have a little uh, remote control device that I can even have in my hand. Nobody knows I have it. And I can uh, change the settings on it very easily for when I'm in a restaurant, for example. If I'm in a restaurant, it can screen out the background noise. It's like they've got like little computers in them. Yeah. You know, it, can screen, it can screen out the background noise. Um, if I'm in a direct conversation, I can turn the volume up or down. It's got a number of – it has directional setting, Eli. So I can have wow. – if I'm riding in a car with my wife, Paige – and I'm driving, I can set it so that it goes over to my right where she's sitting. Or if I'm in the passenger seat, I can set it so that it goes over to my left um, where she's driving. And it's just quite remarkable. And um, I'm just so grateful to live in a time when that technology is available. I think of somebody like, like, not to be too hyperbolic about it, but somebody like Beethoven who began losing his hearing and then was in complete despair because his life's work and his career was slipping right through his grasp. And, uh, and I just imagine what he would have been able to do if he lived today. Um, I mean, he kept writing too, remarkably. But um, well, you read letters from him, and he's in absolute torture at, at losing his hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's like a painter losing his sight, you know, right? Um, or a sculptor losing her fingers, you know. Um, sure. And so that's how I felt when I felt I was losing my hearing and <laughs> losing my, I thought my voice. And then when I got my hearing aid, suddenly I could hear myself again. Oh my God. And I went, Oh no, my voice is fine. It's just fine. It was, it was just my hearing. And, and uh, if I take my hearing aids out, uh, once again, I can't hear my voice. Well, I can't hear pitches. Um, wow. but, uh, if I have them in, everything's fine. That's fantastic. I'm I'm so glad that that we have the technology. Technology can be dangerous, but it's also a blessing in in some ways for sure. Um, and I'm so glad that you have had the opportunity to to kind of seek the proper help that you need in order to hear yourself and hear others. So that's incredible. Because I don't know, I don't know what would happen if you weren't Hades and Hades Town. Because I can't imagine anyone else playing Hades in Hades. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, seriously. I am I I love the show. I've seen it a million times. I've literally only seen you as Hades. I've not seen anybody else. Um so that's why I can't 
picture anybody else, I'm sure. But uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about Hades Town because I know you're you're leaving December 30th, um, yes. so at the end of the month here. I just want to ask you, you know, you've been with the show for so long, and I'm sure you've seen so many versions of this show um, through all the different productions that it's gone through and, and leading up to Broadway. But just how much has this show meant to you and and being along for the whole ride? Oh, it's it's extraordinary. You know, you were mentioning earlier. I've I've done fifteen Broadway shows, and uh, what's amazing about that is, until Hades Town, I had never been in a hit. I had never originated a hit. I had been in shows that were hits. I was in Lion King for a long time, which was a hit both critically and with the audiences, but. Um, Many of the shows I did were either uh, very uh, were either short runs; uh, they were planned to be short runs, or uh, or they or they didn't hit for some reason. Uh, they could be good shows that didn't hit. Um, a, a hit is a completely different animal in in whatever uh, medium you're in, whether you're in film or television or or theater, it's very different to be in a TV show than it is to be in Game of Thrones. Right. You know, it's very different to be in a film than it is to be in, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings. Right. And it's very different to be in a, a, a play or a musical on Broadway than it is to be in Town or Hamilton. And so that was an extraordinarily wonderful, you know, roller coaster ride of just fun things like you're talking about the Grammy, you know, the album winning, <laughs> winning the Grammys, um, the Tony Awards, winning the yeah. Tony Awards, being nominated for a Tony. You know, I had never been nominated before. Uh, it's all that fun stuff. But then on top of all of that, it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, show. Um, really. the, the themes of the show, the words, the lyrics, the poetry, the music the cast. Uh, and as you mentioned, I've been with it since 2016. We started a New York theater workshop and did with labs even before we did the off-Broadway production. Then we took right. it to Canada, did a completely new production there. The first production was in the round. We did it in Canada for the first time in a proscenium space, completely different uh, show and cast. Amber Gray and I were the only two who were from the first production. Then right. we did it at the National Theatre in London, and again a whole <laughs> new, a whole new cast. Oh and this, this time, Amber and uh, I and Reeve Carney came from the last production, and we added on Andre De Shields and uh, even Nobozada and the Fates, um, and then and then finally on Broadway um, with the London uh, Five London Principles and then New Fates. On Broadway, and each time, uh, Rachel Chavkin and Anais making uh, just beautiful adjustments to the show, and it was such a lesson to me in um, in, in patience mm -hmm. and perseverance, and just taking one step at a time and growing something organically over a period of time. 
Absolutely. I, I love asking people who who have been in a long running Broadway show, uh, who've been with the show for so long. Do you remember a big change that was made to Hadestown um, that maybe didn't make it to Broadway that you just loved in the other productions? Oh, that I loved in the other productions that didn't make it to Broadway. There are lyrics, certainly. There are a lot of things like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm off the top of my head. I remember there are lyrics, especially in Chant 2. Uh, I, I used to have a lyric that when I was a young man like you, son, I loved a woman too. Held her in my naked hands when I was a young man. Now you know how it feels. Women are as slick as eels, always slipping from your grasp. I can't remember all the lyrics, but it was just a marvelous, intricate lyric that's not in the show anymore. Um, wow. But there were other things as well. Um, we've tried it so many different ways. There's a song at the end that happens after uh, uh, the curtain call, which, which is called We Raise Our Cups. And we've tried the show without that song because having a wow. song after the curtain call is, is strange um, and wonderful. Very, very common in the world that Aeneas comes from, which is the concert musical world, but right. uncommon in the theater. Right. And so this, this show started really as concerts that she gave and then we had a theatrical presentation in Vermont but always had a concert vibe. And when we did it first at New York Theater Workshop, it had a concert vibe. In fact, we even gave out set lists to the audience of the songs. Oh, wow. As you would in a, in a, in a concert. Um, and, and a lot of the songs were sort of sung in, 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 with handheld microphones in, in the concert style, That's as if you were telling a story in that way. So um, those are, yeah, those are, all changes. Um, the show used to begin with uh, the Fates singing uh, "Any Way the Wind Blows," and then it went into the Road to Hell, which is the opening number. That oh, that wow. iconic that iconic trumpet, you know, boom, 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 ba doo, doo, boom. <laughs> that was not the beginning of the show. It used to start off with the Fates just going ooh. Wow. And then, then, uh, then Hermes would come in and go, all right, all right, let's start the show. And he'd start the show, boom, 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 ba -doo -ba -doo boom. And so all those things changed. So it changed so, so much over the, over the six years that I've been involved with it. Yeah, I can't imagine. That's crazy that you brought that up because I absolutely love, you know, Andre DeShields coming out and just being like taking the stage, taking his time walking out there and then just saying, all right. And then I'm like, this is a way to start a musical. It gets everyone yeah. involved, paying attention. It was so cool. And uh, that can't, wow, that's that's really cool that you, you mentioned. Yeah, you find it, it, it's uh, – I really learned from Rachel – Chavkin, who directed, just through observation, through watching her work, I really learned, you know, that you can, along the way, there's a lot of different versions of good yeah. before you get to the version that's best, the version yeah. that's great. And she's willing to write a lot of drafts until she gets to great, perfect, that's right. You know. Wow. Incredible. Well, yeah, you guys really do have something that is great and, and 
very i mean if you want to say perfect is a thing hadestown is really darn close to perfect i i love it i will always say it's one of my favorite broadway shows and uh you have till december 30th to go see patrick page playing hades in hadestown so uh everyone go check that out and now just two more questions before i let you go if it's cool with you i do want to ask because i love this musical this was a crazy musical for its time i have to talk to you about spider-man turn off the dark Sure. Uh, I, I, you played the Green Goblin, and I, I just can't imagine what that process was like and just figuring out the the incredible feats that the show uh, attempted and, and did uh, oftentimes pull off. Um, I want to ask you about, you know, what was your favorite stunt as the Green Goblin? And then, of course, like what it was like to... Uh, be in that costume and take it off every night because I'm sure it was craziness. Well, you know, it's uh, for people who didn't see it, I, I wore in the second act of the show, in the first act of the show, um, the Green Goblin, for people who know the Marvel mythology, is Norman Osborn, uh, a scientist. And right. in the first act, I was Norman Osborn, my own face, my own voice, essentially, um, and so on. And then uh, at the end of the first act, I would enter this sort of chamber that he's designed and built, and uh, and it would then mutate me into the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go in as Norman and come out as the Goblin. Um, it, when you and the Goblin was a complete prosthetic face. Um, movable face, entirely prosthetic, um, that was sculpted by Julie Taymor, who's a brilliant sculptor, and then executed and uh, uh, designed by um, uh, Louis Zakarian, who does all of the makeup for Saturday Night Live, all oh, that wow. kind of prosthetic makeup. And so uh, they built this thing on my face and uh, – if anybody's ever worn prosthetics or seen them in movies, for example, I wear a, I wear prosthetic makeup in a couple of scenes of Spirited when I yes. play Marley as a corpse, a ghost. Uh, and that kind of makeup, in my experience, takes about three hours to apply. Wow. And so the first time I put on the goblin makeup, it took three hours. And we <sighs> had to eventually do it in a 12 minutes. And so it it was an incredible process with a team of people who had everything ready to go. And at intermission, I I would go and they would lay me in a chair and a team of four or five, six people would apply this to me. Uh, Of course, there's a full body suit, hands, head, wig, ears, uh, you know, everything. And uh, it, it would just... Uh, unbelievable to be part of a process like that. And really the great, the great thing about working on, on that or like on a film like spirited is that you get to work with these artists like Louisa Carrion, like the artists who did the face on, uh, and my hands and, and, and neck and all of that on, on spirited. They are the very, very top of their field and they're right. artists in their own right. So you sort of get to be the model for their artwork and uh, so cool. wearing a wearing a face like that, or like the makeup I wore in uh, in Oliver, is very freeing because uh, 
I think even if you, if you're not an actor, I think the average person might have that experience, like on Halloween when you mm-hmm. go out and you've got uh, you're wearing your costume and and it it frees something in you for that night. You get to behave like Batman or Superman <laughs> or Dracula or whoever it is you've chosen to be. It's very very freeing and fun. I remember when I was playing the Grinch and how the Grinch stole Christmas on Broadway. Yes. I used to go out onto the street in Times Square. And as the Grinch, and when I would put on the face Stop and the makeup and everything, I would never, I, I couldn't, I could, I, it would, the, the face and makeup and everything, it wouldn't allow me to be Patrick. So oh it was like I had to be the Grinch when I was in that. <laughs> um, it, it felt wrong to be Patrick while I was in all of that. <laughs> I'm sure I was Patrick backstage sometimes, but when I went out onto the street, like I would be the Grinch and we, wow. we were walking between theaters or, uh, go, going to the parade route or going to do the David Letterman show or many of the fun things that we got to do, you know, I was Grinch all the way. Oh, I love it. You know, I've heard a lot of stories on here about like the Alphaba costume. So I guess you could say like the Grinch and the Green Goblin can be the male version of Alphaba. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, one last question and then I'll let you go. I'm curious, we talked about your voice and, and how uh, lovely it was and how um, you found your depth and you found where it sits and, and it's just worked so beautifully for you. I wonder in having that kind of voice, do you ever feel like you are in a way like typecasted where you have to play like the villain since you have like a deep voice or do you feel like it's written for you with you, you, your such like beautifully unique voice? Do you ever get that feeling? Uh, well, I, I play a lot of, I play a lot of villains. I play a lot of uh, dark characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's a kind of tradition, isn't there, right? There is certainly an opera that the villain is written as the base role. Um, and, uh, so that happens and, um, that's okay. Um, it's, it's wonderful to have a niche, Mm-hmm. Um, that people are aware, like they, they say, oh, you, they know Patrick can do this, you know? Um, and so when those things come along, I'm grateful for them. Uh, I've been very fortunate that I have been able to do other things. Yeah. Um, and that I haven't only done that. Um, but I, I am very, very interested in, people that we might call villains or might call evil. I'm interested in what produces that behavior in human beings. Mm. And I think that's one reason that people might ask me to do it is that I, I play the characters very much from their own point of view. I don't ever judge the characters that I'm playing, whether it's Fagin or Norman Osborn the Green Goblin or or Hades. Right. Uh, I I think of them as human beings. I don't think of them as villains. I uh, um, someone else can put that label on them if they want. But uh, right. I do a one man show, uh, which I made a film of uh, a couple years ago. I guess maybe a year or a couple years ago. Time goes so strangely now with the pandemic. <laughs> Um, called All the Devils Are Here, in which I explore Shakespeare's um, 
creation of the villain character from the beginning of his career in 1590 to the end of his career in 1611 and how he developed what we na- the ideas that we now attribute to uh, a villain um what do we think of when we think of a villain and mm-hmm. um and it, it, it's just a it's a very very if if you're going to have a niche uh it's a very very rich uh strain or cord to explore. Um, but uh, yeah, everybody's type, whatever it is, the way you look, the way you sound, uh, the way you behave, those things are going to influence your casting. But right. for example, I'm just about to play King Lear in Washington, D.C., who I don't oh think anybody God. would say is a villain, but certainly my voice is apt for that role as well. Sure. Oh my God! No, I mean your resume is filled with a diverse uh, casting and, and and types of characters and all the things. I was just curious as to you know, there's lots of typecasting that we see in our I industry. You, I'm a, I I I also I, I'm also on a show on HBO called The Gilded Age, and I play a yes. character called Richard Clay, and Clay is a very tough man, but um, at, at least in the first two seasons, I wouldn't yet call him. A villain. He's very, very, very tough, um, very unyielding, but um, he has yet to do something that I can't defend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, Patrick, I mean, I could literally talk to you for for, for hours and, and talk through your resume. There's just so much to talk about, and you've had a wonderful career. And I'm so thrilled that you're you're still going. And uh, best of luck on your final weeks of of Hades Town, and then of course your future productions with King Lear and and all the others to come. Um, we'll definitely be watching Spirited, Schmega Dunes, or Schmega Chicago, um, or the Gilded Age. All the things we'll be looking out for you we're all huge fans here both me and the listeners here at take about and uh it's just incredible what you've been able to do in this industry and uh how you've able to just thank you i wanted to say one more thing to anyone who's dealing with the hearing loss because i don't i don't know that i fully answered your question when you discover you have it i think it, it 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 the 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 real thing is to is to just go get tested and find out sooner than I did. If I were to change something, I could have had, I could have had uh, 20 more years of help and it would, it would have changed many things for the better. And um, just out of pure vanity and laziness, I didn't go in. And so I would just encourage people to go in uh, re, you know, uh, see a doctor, you know, and uh, see an audiologist, and and the the you know the the technology is is so incredible, and um, it's not a, an affliction that one has to live with in, uh, and one shouldn't. Right, and and shout out to Widex for uh, helping you in in your journey. Oh yeah, as it's, a, meant every, it's meant everything to me. It's meant yeah. everything. The fact, the fact that the technology is so good, I remember. You know, when I was a, a younger, trying to get my older parents to wear their hearing aids, which were great ah. big, you know, flesh-colored, blocky things that you stuck in your ear, and right. uh, uh, that that it, it, you know impeded the ear canal and were very uncomfortable to wear. With these, you know, the Widex, you don't even know you're wearing them. They're invisible uh, to uh, the people that you're around. And, uh, and they make your life better. So what's not to love, you know?
Right. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's it's so great that uh, you were able to find that and it's just helped you in, in such a wonderful way that it has. So incredible stuff. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. You absolutely deserve to take a bow. Um, and I'm just so thrilled to to be able to chat with you once again after, what was it, 12 years? Uh, 12, 13 years of uh, yeah, Oliver's yeah. craziness. It was right after Oliver that I went into Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I know. I, I made the phone call about Oliver because I knew I was doing Spider-Man, and I had a little window of about two or three months or something. Oh and I God. called my agent and said, would, would you would ask the CLO if they would like me to play Fagan? And they did. And they said, Stop yes. it. Yeah, that was yeah. how you, Oh my God. That is absolutely incredible. I'm so thrilled that you made that phone call. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cause that was truly, it was an unforgettable time in my life. So um, me too, yeah, me thank too. you. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for coming on. And it was just so great talking to you. So thank you. All right. Me. You too. Great to talk to you. Bye-bye. Take about Patrick Page. Oh my God. What an unbelievable episode and interview, I guess you could say. I don't know if any of you all knew about his, you know, journey and his experience with hearing loss and what he's kind of had to go through and the the moment where he was just like, you know, there was a time where I didn't know if I could perform again. Um, it was, it, it's kind of wild to hear and it's so um thrilling to to see that uh you know there is technology out there to to help this so if anyone is dealing with some sort of hearing impairment the technology to to kind of help facilitate it and with patrick he you know he gave the advice of like going to get it checked out like that's the number one regret he has um is just not you know kind of denying it and being and not accepting it um and and this episode was so great in so many ways as an artist and as a person to really lean into the whole you know it's okay to be who you are like you can accept your your pros you can accept your flaws you can you can accept all of the things you know the incredible talent that you have it's a gift for a reason you have a you were given a skill set for a reason so it wasn't until like he mentioned where he really leaned into his voice and and being a bass voice that his career really took off you know and same with his hearing like once he was he was willing to go get checked out he was able to help himself and he was able to get through it. And now he wears the the hearing aids. Shout out to Widex um, in, in every show. Hades Town and Spirited when he was filming a movie. Um, it's just wild. It's wild to hear. And um, it was so cool to, you know, to really get that message across of like, you know, it's okay to go get checked out, you know, whether it is. Whatever you are dealing with um, personally, whether you're dealing with things uh, physically like hearing loss or or muscle pain, you know, like catch that stuff before it gets worse. Um, and, and that's that's that was a really that was a message that uh, I think needed to to be heard uh, for everyone. Um, and so I was thrilled to have Patrick on to talk about it and to talk about his journey because it's so unique with the with the hearing loss and all of that. It really, it's really inspiring to to hear what he's uh, kind of overcome and the obstacles that's kind of been thrown in, uh, in his direction of kind of, you know, as a boy in the industry, I guess, and, and as like a young man trying to 
you know, start to make himself a career as an adult or as like a, a man, I guess, in in the industry, you know, trying to have having that stigma of, oh, all of the lead roles now on Broadway are like Dear Van Hansen, where it's just craziness high. And like he was talking about how his voice teachers really were like trying to train his voice to go higher and higher. And, and I think just the main part of, of this episode that I really just want to reiterate and make clear to everyone listening, whether you are a man or a female or, or you don't identify or trans, whatever you may be like, this is a great episode to really just remember who you are and who you are is completely enough to, to be in this industry and to succeed in this industry because no one else is like you, you know, and there is a story for you to tell. Um, and there's a story for you that needs to be heard that that uh, you have a special relationship to because you've lived it or you've experienced it or you 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 know someone who does and you want to honor that person you know like there is a story for you to tell there's a reason that you are a performer and there's a reason that you go on these auditions and that people continue to see you um, and want to see you in auditions or um, there you know there's a reason for for it all and uh you are good enough and whatever that is you know the skill set that you were given will be okay and you will find a way to succeed it may not come tomorrow but that's okay there's there's a time and a place that that will allow you to shine and i think that was that was kind of like a realization that uh, needed to be, we haven't had much conversation about that on the podcast. So I appreciate Patrick for sharing that. And I appreciate Patrick for talking to us about Hadestown because I'm a crazy Hadestown fan. Um, I'm a super fan of Hadestown and I'm thrilled to get uh, one of the leads here. on. I don't know if we've ever had someone from Hadestown on the podcast, actually. Um, so just to, to talk to him about that and to talk to him about the whole process because he was in it for the longest time of anybody else who's currently in the show. So uh, to get all the process and, and all of the, the fun little tips that he shared with us was just so fun. And uh, anyways, I'm continuing to ramble, but uh, needless to be said, I'm very grateful that Patrick came on and, and was willing to, to revisit with an old friend and uh, join the podcast to, uh, family here over at Take About to uh, chat about his career and to chat about Hadestown before he left. So everyone go see Patrick Page in Hadestown before he heads out uh, of the show at the end of the month here. And uh, yeah, that's all I have for you folks this week. So once again, thank you all for listening to this week's episode. I really, really do appreciate you and your support. We got some Spotify wrapped reports. And because of you guys, I don't know if you saw this on, on social media or anything. We're a top 10% podcast worldwide crazy to me i don't know exactly what percent we are but it was fascinating to to see all of that and believe it or not take about was in the one percentile of the range i guess of the amount of content that was made for a arts category podcast so that was pretty cool to see and i continue to make so much content because of how much 
response I get from it, you know, and people seem to watch it. I mean, literally one person could watch it and I would consider putting it out there, you know. Um, So the fact that so many of you are enjoying it with uh, the 10% followership and listenership worldwide was kind of crazy. And then uh, to see that uh, 1% is just a testament to to all of you of what keeps me going and the work that gets kind of put into into all of these episodes. So I appreciate you all again for for listening. It really really means more to me than you know. And yeah, I hope everyone is gearing up for the holiday season and I look forward to uh revisiting with you all next week with another incredible guests stay tuned because it's going to be a a fun episode it's it's an exciting one all of these ones are exciting to me and they all have some incredible unique story to tell and different perspectives as always so stay tuned can't wait to see you all next week and until then i hope you all have a great week bye everyone have a great week For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow are our fabulous editors, Jessica Lauren, who edits the audio of the podcast that you just listened to, and Tessie Tokash, who edits the videos and visuals for this podcast. And how about a bow for our executive producer, Chris Griner? And our final bow are extra special to the patrons, Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners of PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com TAB. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to subscribe on the platform that you are currently listening to this on, or go check out our YouTube where you can watch the episode. You can also subscribe, like, and comment on there as well. If you're more into the regular social media and want to follow us, you can do that at Take About Podcast across all social media platforms. The music of this podcast was made by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon, and the logo was created by Giselle Bustos. And that wraps up this episode's Curtain Call. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.